Welcome to the Black Moose First Podcast. I'm your host, Alton Jamison. I've made the journey from having an incarcerated father to becoming an engineer to transitioning to a professional speaker and author. And now I am the founder and chief chess player of Black Moose First. Black Moose First is a company that offers chess boards and accessories, apparel and personal development products that empower people like you to change the world one move at a time. In the game of chess, white pieces always move first, which is an advantage, and the black pieces move second, which is a disadvantage. Black moves first is more than an oxymoron in chess. Instead, it calls for people to strive for success, even when the odds are against you. To strive for success, even when you may not have the advantages of others. Our motto is, changing the world one move at a time. This podcast explores the stories of how people have overcome adversity to make their own moves and change their own world, whether in the game of chess or in the game of life. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Alton Jamison with the Black Moose First podcast. So excited today that we are in episode 10. So I definitely hope that you have been enjoying the podcast. Also, check us out on the web at www.blackmoosefirst.com. Today, we have one of my favorite people and a wonderful guest, uh, Mrs. Jennifer Maggio. Jennifer, um, and I'm going to allow you to share. She's the, I guess the appropriate name would be executive director, CEO or uh, of the life of a single mom. And I've been fortunate to be able to develop an unofficial partnership <laughs> with the life of the single mom over the past few years. And but tell us how you ended up leading an organization called The Life of a Single Mom. Maybe give the viewers who aren't familiar with you uh, kind of your story or your background. Um, you know, I often say that my experience with single parenthood began before I really even knew what a single parent was because my mother was killed um, when I was very young, about 17 months old. And so my dad became a single dad. Um, and so kind of began having this um, subconscious awareness of what a one parent household was. Um, and then by the time I was 17, I kind of duplicated that in my own home. I became a young teen mom at 17 and then had another child at 19. And so really by the time I was 19 years old, I had these two kiddos. I was um, living in government housing, utilizing food stamps and welfare to get by. But the interesting thing about my story was I graduated high school valedictorian and I graduated with scholarships to go to colleges all over the country. And so I had all this head knowledge and yet I'm this young single mom living in the projects with um, not a whole lot of hope as to where my life was going to go. Um, you know, dead in relationship, um, became very ostracized from my family. And I think there was a lot of pain that my dad had from um, his daughter not achieving what he had hoped that I was going to achieve. It's certainly not most parents' goal for their their children to become teen parents. And so when I look back now, I'm sure that much of his reaction um, in terms of family ostracization was probably just his trauma and hurt. Um, and so I just found myself for many years out and navigating through life, trying to figure out how to single parent well. 
um, trying to figure out where I fit in. Um, my children were biracial, which, you know, they're, they're older now, they're in their 20s, and, and there was this kind of whole, you know, conversation about where the race factor fit in at that time. Um, I, you know, thought that I would be in college. And, and, and so there were just all of these unanswered questions. And quite frankly, not a very deep bench of support as to where do I go and what do I do and who do I even ask about how to not only parent well, but manage my money, what little bit there was, and emotionally and spiritually survive. So that's the very brief version of how I came to pass with the life of a single mom. You know, that's, uh, it's an incredible story. You know, my, I talk about it. My mother was a single mom. So she had me when she was 21, my father was 19. And, and so she was probably with my father for a couple of years. Uh, and then finally, you know, my dad kept doing his thing, running the streets. And you know, she's like, you know, this is not how I want to raise my son. So I saw my mom kind of raise, raise me up, uh, you know, and, you know, eventually she met my stepfather, but I, and she, my mother worked at Hardy. So I saw her, you know, raise me, my grandparents helped. And I saw the struggles of a single mom. And that's just one of the things that, that I has always stuck with me, you know, because I felt like, you know, here my dad in this particular case didn't step up to his responsibilities, and now my my mother is left to carry the weight. What are some of the struggles uh, that you see in your experience? That, or what are some of the top struggles that you see today that single moms face? Well, I think um, it's important first to recognize that you know, single moms are as, as diverse as, you know, millions and millions of moms are. There's so many different stories. They're a rival to the journey. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of complexities and the challenges are multifaceted. That's the very short answer. I think that there are some commonalities that we've identified through the years. Um, I think parenting is certainly one of the primary challenges. And really understanding how to raise a young man or a young woman when um, a, there's not a male role model in the home period. And sometimes B, there's not even an active co-parenting relationship. So what are the implications of not having a strong male role model and having a dad there um, or a challenge? Um, and moms, quite frankly, are exhausted. So a lot of times, even with parenting techniques, you're working two jobs, you're coming home and there's, there's you know, laundry and um, cooking and cleaning and all of the household duties. Sometimes parenting falls on the back burner. Um, I think another thing is the financial component. I think it goes without saying it doesn't matter if a single mom is impoverished and living in the inner city below the poverty line or if she's middle income and she's kind of the working poor and barely above um, the qualifications of, um, you know, government assistance or honestly, even if she has transitioned from a two parent income to one through divorce and she's having to learn how to navigate even a you know an upper income finances are a big component of the single parent journey, um, and then you know the navigating you know child support and if you're going to get it and, and alimony and all these things that that's a big thing and I think the final thing um, is the emotional and spiritual component of that single mom's journey. Um, I will tell you that probably most single moms would say that their biggest two challenges are parenting finances. 
But I would argue that the emotional and spiritual component of their journey is the challenge that undergirds every other decision that they will make. And if they can become strong emotionally and spiritually, that, you know, the parenting techniques then are much easier to implement or the financial management techniques. So those are the the areas of many that I see as the biggest challenges. You made some valid points. I know I want to dive into your organization a little bit more in a second, but I have seen in my experience, just having a single mom, you know, coaching sports, meeting a lot of single moms, or even work with your organization, been able to, uh, you know, take out single moms to dinner. I think there's a lot of stereotypes with single mothers. And like you said, some key points where the single mothers is such diverse. I mean, you may have a, a single mother that's a high paid doctor or surgeon. You may have a single mother that may have been married for 25 years and just got divorced, or she may own her own business, but now her husband may have passed away unexpectedly. So that's one of the things that I've noticed where growing up, um, I've seen so many stereotypes associated with single moms. And how do you, Jennifer, overcome that? I know you work a lot with ministries and pastors and just people in the community, how do you overcome some of those stereotypes that people think that all single moms are in this one little category? Mm -hmm. Um, I think probably one of our biggest um, components of ministry is education. I think educating pastors, church leaders, the general public on the challenges that single moms are facing, but also really looking at the data to say, okay, not every single mom is this. And I think when we say the term single parenthood, even or single parent, that all of us have our point of reference. So for you, you're immediately thinking of your mom and what that experience was. Um, If there's a grandmother who is parenting alone because her daughter is addicted to opioids, her her single parenting experience is different. Um, And there are so many different nuances of the journey that I think one of the things we're challenged with is that um, there are single moms who don't even want to identify as a single mom because they immediately see it as a negative stereotype that they're trying to overcome. Um, Rather than just simply saying, no, you are a mother who happens to have a legal status of single, thereby making you a single mother. It's not any more complex than that. Um, But then there's also stereotypes, you know, within the framework of the church, which, you know, is it even a whole nother conversation about how do church leaders navigate serving a single mom and recognizing what the needs are and what they should or shouldn't be doing in terms of ministry to those families? That makes sense. I, I know that I've even heard that, that pastors are even hesitant sometimes to even set up a single mom's ministry in a church because they don't want to appear there endorsing, you know, this lifestyle or, or lack of help. And how do you overcome when you, you meet that that type of resistance? Well, I think early on, um, I, I was almost offended that that would be a, a concept. That, you know, how dare they? And so I think in, in my spiritual immaturity, there was a lot of beating my chest for single moms and, and wanting to kind of shout from the rooftops my own church experience and how much um, the church was there and helped me and how important that was in my in my long term journey. But I think through the years, I've, I've learned a few things. One is, um, you know, drug addiction ministries don't support drug use. They meet people where they are. And I think that that's one of the things that's so important is that we're not 
um, you know, advocating for lots of single parents. We're not saying this is the ideal. Um, you know, I know you're married, I'm married, um, and have been happily for several years. Certainly it has been easier as a married mom versus a single mom. But what do we do with the 22 plus million kiddos that are out there now being raised by single moms? Do we just ignore that the family exists? And then I think the other thing that's really important, especially from a church leadership perspective, is we uh, you know, believe in biblical behavior as, as a faith-based organization. Certainly we, we um, are not supporting or condoning divorce or any of the things that maybe a pastor would say are unbiblical behaviors. We're simply saying there's a need that exists with millions and millions of women and children. And um, we're hope. We're, we're the light. We are the, um, the life that comes into those families, you know, through our words of encouragement, through our acts of service. And if we don't do it, then who? Um, is it the government's job? Um, certainly we've seen don't don't let me camp out on um, <laughs> how they're going to save the day. Um, yes, the church's job to do this. Um, and I would even argue the scriptural mandates that are on the church in um, in serving the least of these, the poor, the orphaned, the widowed. Um, I would argue that single parents fall into many of those categories. I, I agree with you. I remember when uh, I'll never forget, you know, I've always had a big heart for outreach and single moms, of course. And I remember pastoring uh, the church I was pastoring in Virginia at the time. And I wanted to do an outreach for single moms where we would pay for their oil change at a local gas station. And so I think, uh, you know, I think we had worked something out with the gas station. So I wanted to put in our budget. It was about two hundred and fifty dollars. I mean, it wasn't a lot. So we're probably going to pay for, I don't know, eight to 10 mothers or something on their oil change. And one of the guys on my leadership team said, well, can we just give the single moms maybe $230? And he was trying to argue with me over the 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what I realized was that, wow, people don't see the value in helping or reaching out to the least of those <clears throat> or reaching out to people. And here's a guy who's saying, hey, let's, that single mom is only worth three quarts of oil. <laughs> and that's kind of how, how I looked at it. And I think that kind of goes across. And I've talked to other pastors, and I even talked about this ministry, where they'll have single mothers in their church <laughs> who need the support, uh, but yet at the same time, they won't do things to speak to that. And I've even learned, you know, the single moms, we've met single moms in my family, as you said, they all have some of the needs are similar, but they have so many other needs that's not necessarily being met from the pulpit on Sunday or not necessarily being met in a particular small group. So my question to you, Jennifer, is how did you go from that, you know, that young teenage girl to evolve into now you're running an organization for single moms? How did you make that transition? Um, I think that if you would have told me that I was going to be doing this 20 years ago, um, uh, it would have been an absolutely not uh, moment. I, I think um, when I was 19 years old and I had, had my second child, I felt like that the Lord told me that one day I would be that this would be for purpose. Um, now, I'm at the lowest point of my life, emotionally, spiritually, financially and parentally. And so I was not dreaming big of leading thousands of moms. I just felt like that all the pain 
would be one day used for purpose. Um, but I tucked it away. And through through the years, um, I learned um, how to manage my money. I learned um, how to tithe and, 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 you know, giving God the honor of what to do him and how he can bless your finances. I learned all of these principles that um, blessed me and um, really took me to the next level from really surviving single parenthood to thriving. Um, I eventually married. My husband adopted my two children and we kind of had this happily ever after story. But I I never forgot those moments when I was alone on a bathroom floor um, crying out to the God that I was almost certain didn't exist. And I never forgot the moments of feeling completely and utterly alone, um, embarrassed, um, full of shame. Um, You know, there is nothing uh, more shameful, I think, than a church girl having two kiddos outside of marriage and the weight that the church puts on her. of not feeling like you can ever come back to the Lord or that you fit in anymore. So, so it was a long journey. Um, it wasn't one that happened overnight and there were a lot of steps forward and then three steps back. But, um, there was a time when I was early on in my marriage, actually, when I felt like the Lord said, walk away from everything, walk away from your corporate success, walk away from, you know, your traditional job and start telling the story of what I've taken you through. Um, So I actually have never done single mom's ministry as a single mom. I was always a married mom. Um, But I think there's even value in that story of the redemption and and how um, God can restore everything that's been lost. Wow. That's awesome. I remember it was a couple of points I wanted to bring out. I remember that I had participated in, I think, LANO, I guess, Louisiana Association of Nonprofit Organizations. They did a community leaders program, and I was in that group. And one of your board members, I see her face. I can't remember her name. I don't know. If, I don't want to say the wrong name. Eunice, or I can't think of it. I can't think of her name. One of your board members, I was talking to her about just, hey, my wife and I, we love to do outreach for single moms. She was like, oh, well, you need to talk to Jennifer at the life of a single mom. And I think that's what I initially uh, connected with you all. What I have noticed, Jennifer, over the years is that as I engage with single moms or talk to different single moms, I have noticed sometimes you can tell us a lot of shame there. So whether it's, you know, as soon as you meet them, they feel like they got to explain they just got divorced. You know, mm-hmm. or just right. got and I remember growing up in my church, I went to a traditional Baptist church if a, let's say a young girl, a teenager got pregnant out of wedlock, she would have to come in front of the whole church, mm-hmm. not the guy, not the guy, right? Because <laughs> she had the baby by herself, of course. Mm-hmm. But she would come, she would come in front of the whole church and apologize. Mm-hmm. Now there were clearly people doing other things in the church that never had to come. And I notice even now when I meet some single moms, if we take them out or anything, you know, at some point in a conversation, not that I ask, but you get an explanation. Right. Well, you know, about yeah, I just got divorced or this. And so how do you how do you deal with the shame that some moms have and how do you help them overcome that? Um, I think that it's the million dollar question in some ways. I think that all of us um, single moms are not exclusive to the shame factor. And um, especially if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and you um 
fall off the wagon in some way, which we all do. And there's this culture that's been created. Um, Thankfully, I'm seeing it eradicated more and more. But um, certainly when I was much younger, of just the facade of perfectionism that that we all come to church and that everybody else in the church has it all together but you. And um, I think church leadership, frankly, does an excellent job of, you know, the, the facade of perfectionism of let's just all clean up. Let's look really great. And meanwhile, there's addiction to pornography. There's, you know, multiple illicit affairs. There are, uh, there's, you know, significant abuse going on, um, spousal abuse in the church. There are all of these sins, gluttony, nobody's speaking out against, you know, the fact that, you know, there's morbid obesity. That That's a sin that we, we don't get in front of the church and apologize for. There's a lot of things that um, that church leadership is not necessarily saying, okay, let's call sin what it is, but then let's also talk about the freedom that's brought in Christ and how we've all fallen short and really where we can go to the next level in intimacy with him. Um, I, I found, again, that it's better. It's certainly better. And I, I want to give credit to all those pastors that are doing an amazing job. Um, but I think there's still some work to do because I, I think for some reason, a child outside of marriage especially is the cardinal sin that um, seems to be above all other sins in the church world. And especially for like, um, you know, the older parishioners. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, like you said, I've seen, you know, obviously I'm born out of wedlock. You know, I, my, you know, my, I remember my sister when she was, she was a freshman in college and found out that she was pregnant. And I, I think she's one of the first person that, uh, that I was one of the first people that she called and she just talked about, you know, how she felt and you could hear the shame and things in her voice. And that just, it just really gets me, you know, stirred up because as you mentioned, there's so many, so many other issues in the church that we could dive on. Like you said, the pornography, I just had Jonathan Daughtery from the broken ministries who deals with guys on sex addiction. And he says, he said, let me tell you what Alton statistics says there are, Fifty percent of the people in the church go watch pornography weekly, and he said, "In my in my background, the people who are really watching it aren't even truthful on the survey." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, he, so he said that that's tell you how bad you know just that one area is in the church, and I think there's a lot of shame uh, and a lot of things that we don't address, uh, but we for whatever reason you know we 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 put it all on you know the single mother. What are some of the programs and resources that your organization offers uh, to, to women to help them to get to a, a different point of transition or navigate this, this part of their life? Well, I think that um, the foundation of who we are is the Single Mom Support Group Network. Um, the, the organization really was founded under this idea that no single mom would walk alone. And, and kind of my own story of feeling very alone, even though the reality was I wasn't alone, it felt in the moment like I was. And so what we do is we have about 1,600 single moms, support groups, ministries, Sunday school classes, connect groups, whatever it looks like for your church. We work with about 1,600 churches nationally to really help them serve single moms and tailor a program that works in their structure. So all different sizes of churches, denominations, locations. Um, That's the first thing. We want single moms to get into a support group. The other things that we do are we are um, really believe that education is the key, understanding root causes to key issues, um, understanding why 
did I have two kids outside of marriage? What were the pains and hurts that really led me down that path or or the financial education. So single mom universities, the other thing that we do, and you've been so generous with your time to teach some coursework in that university. Um, But it's basically where they log on day or night. They take short 15 minute classes on. um, I think we have over 160 classes in the platform now on pretty much anything mom-centric you can think of. Um, and then we also do things like event, events and boot camps and um, conferences and one-day workshops and um, all of these kind of empowering events to get moms excited about their life again, that you can do it. And whether you've got to do it for eight months or 18 years, that God goes before you, he makes a way when there seems to be none and that his supply is endless. And when you can really get a revelation about that, then you don't have to just wake up and barely survive every day. You can actually be excited about the future of you and your children. And it, and, and whether it's that you get married or not, um, that's not necessarily the end goal. Um, the end goal is to have a life abundant with Christ and then everything else will be added. So um, that's, awesome. that's the gist of it. I mean, we certainly do some financial um, support. We do some case management support and other things, but those are the majority of the services. So how does a, how does a pastor, because I know you have like a ministry kit that, mm-hmm. that a church can get. So if a, if a pastor out there says, hey, I you know, have some single mothers, I'd love to be able to serve them more. Uh, what would they just call call you all and just have a consultation? How does that, what's that process look like? Yeah, so um, simplest process is just going on our website at thelifeofasinglemom.com and clicking get help. And there's a button that says I'm a pastor or ministry leader. And it just kind of walks you through, okay, here's the ministry kit options. And, and, and there are different options for different churches and what your needs may be. Um, and then once you get your ministry kit, we do phone consultations with you to try to walk you through tailoring the program to you. So we know pastors are busy. We know that there's a lot of demand and very few thanks. And so our goal is to try to make the process very easy and to help them identify who can lead a single mom's ministry in your church. Who is the mom that really does have leadership skills and has the life experience? Um, And then we really kind of, he passes the baton to her and we work with her from that point on. That's, that's awesome. Now, I, I've always liked to ask this question. So if you had a, you know, a wand, a magic wand, and you can wave it over your organization 10, 15 years from now, what, what would success look like to you? Um, you know, there, there's, um, if you knew the day I had and the interesting conversations I've had, you'd know why I pause on that question. <laughs> just, just in the sense that, um, I'm so humbled at um, the thought, and I don't know why I'm so emotional right now, but I'm humbled at the thought that God would use um, me and our organization and the many, many players in the organization to to serve women and to offer them um, light and hope. Um, I think success is... um, you know, in, in the practical sense, it's more single mom support groups. It's that every single mom that wants to attend a support group has one within driving distance. The churches catch the vision and that they would they would be launching them uh, like wildfire around the country. That's that's success in the practical standpoint. But I think the immeasurable success is that children like you would grow up 
and they would speak well of their mom and they would recognize the sacrifice, but they could also honor their dad and maybe where their dad was at that time. And, and, you know, even if he wasn't the greatest dad or even if the mom made a lot of mistakes, which surely, you know, we all do, that there would be such wholeness that um, that children Honestly, that single parenthood would be eradicated. What 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 a bold statement to make. That would be um, if a magic wand was waved, that dads didn't leave their families, that moms didn't leave their families, that divorce didn't happen, that premature death didn't happen, and that kids would have a two-parent household. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, uh, you know, over the years, obviously I had, had a single mom, but one thing, uh, you know, I work with, you know, I have a counselor, I don't mind sharing that, you know, if I got to work through some issues, but one thing my counselor had me do was he had to have me rewrite my story from my father's perspective. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I literally just had, uh, I wrote it out, my story from my father's perspective. And it really gave me a sense of peace. Uh, it didn't answer the questions. And I really looked at, you know, myself or from my dad's perspective the best that I could. And it gave me closure. And I think that's something that's important as well, where it's, you know, the object is not to just be a great single mom and hate the dad. But the object is I realized that in my life as a child, I still have, you know, I have a mom and I still have a dad. <laughs> so you somehow got to, you know, you got to figure out where that that falls in place. I mean, that 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 has been a blessing to me. What are some of, if you don't mind, what are some of the success stories, Jennifer, that you have seen of some of the moms that have came to your organization? Um, everything. I know you got a hundred. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything. I think um, what I would have measured success on early in the ministry would have been surely the numbers. And um, we're celebrating our 10th year of ministry this year. We've served 627,000 single moms. So to God be the glory for that. I think that um, that's what the world would say success is, is just the volume of women that have been impacted by this organization. But I think it's, it's gone much deeper for me as I've, as I've um, matured through the years and tried to have a better understanding of, um, you know, a mom that would write us a letter that she was suicidal and that finding a support group truly was the thing that she needed to know that God had not left her. Um, and, it, and it seems, you know, I, I've often said, don't devalue the power of women gathering. Like, don't devalue that a support group can change a life because people have to know that someone cares. And when you've maybe, um, you know, been away from your family and you don't have deep roots, then a support group can change a life. So I think that's some. There are definitely stories of financial successes where women have learned, like I never learned how to how to make a budget and now I know. So there are those types of things. But I think the things that move me more than any, um, man, are women who are shame free, women who are who are free indeed. Um, that's the success of the ministry, I think. And how does, I know, how have you been able to integrate, because I know obviously you're a Christian, but how have you been able to integrate your faith into your organization to help uh, the women see that your faith is an integral part of your of their success overall? Well, I think one of the reasons that many programs fail, um, and um, there's so much I could say on the matter, but, you know, a 12-week parenting class is good and you can research and you can give techniques and tools um, or the same thing with financial management or losing weight or any other achievable goal. 
you can talk about the how-to, but if you don't understand the why, like I have to understand that my why is beyond my children. And, and I'll be honest with you, there are many single moms who say, I live for my kids. I don't live for my kids. I love my kids. I live for a calling so much greater than myself that if my children had a tragic accident or my children failed me or the relationship was strained, my my why is my relationship with the Lord and my walk with him gives me purpose to everything else, you know, parenthood and motherhood and, you know, wifehood and all these other roles that I answer to. I think if people could catch a revelation of who God was, um, um, not, not church attendance, um, not maybe what you thought it was when you were a child, but if people could really get a revelation of who God is and the power that we have when we walk with him and the authority, then fear bows, then, um, then every other bondage that we've carried bows. And there's just this excitement that comes with life. Um, and I'm sorry that I'm switching into preaching mode, but I just feel that's this. all right. I'm about to raise an offering. Go ahead. I'm going to raise an offering in a minute. I'm just, um, I'm just so, um, I've had, have had just such an encounter with the Lord today of um, my why. Um, and, and there's no kidding out in the business, um, the, the businesses that you run um, and the many guests that you've had on. Let's be honest and clear. It gets hard. And there are a lot of days when it's easier to quit um, and the money's not rolling in and the people aren't grateful and the clients aren't coming and all of these things um, feel like you're not quite on track. But when I go back to my why, um, it is the thing that sustains me when nothing else will. You know, that's that's powerful. You know, actually, I was on a men's. Bible study call early in this week and, and the guy talked about as Christian men or people in general, we got to take off our mask. We really got to find out our why, who we are, you know, in Christ. And that's kind of something I've been on a journey even more in depth the past, I would say, 12 months. And I think you you really hit it on the head because for a long time, you know, I would struggle with, you know, I'm an A student, I did well, and I still got a single mom. Like, you know, you because you look at it like, wow, you know, but these kids over here, because I'm comparing myself. These kids over here are smoking, doing drugs, cussing out their parents, and they live in a big house and got both of their parents. So I struggle with that. And then I get to the point where there has to be something greater for my story. You know, my dad wasn't there like he should have been. Then he was incarcerated. So I had to deal with that. Then he committed suicide. Then I had to deal with that. And so looking at all of those things, I think that's an important point to get across to anyone listening is that. God works all things together for our good. And it may not make sense now, uh, but you got to find that purpose in it. You know, and a lot of us, you know, we can't control the environment that we're born into. And I, and I think that's, that's so powerful in you sharing that. And I've seen, Jennifer, I've met a lot of the, the women in your organization. And one thing I can say about your organization is that you're so on purpose. I know that a lot of times they say with nonprofits, it's easy to get into mission creep. You know, so it's not like you're, you know, you're trying to save giraffes today and single moms on Wednesday and planting trees on Thursday, but you stay so unfocused. How how are you able to stay so laser being focused with your mission? Is it just because it just comes from within? Um, I think uh, there's 
there are a lot of infrastructural things that we put in place. I, I think with nonprofits in particular, that there most people leading mon- nonprofits have a lot of passion. I find that nonprofit leaders can be weak on leadership and infrastructure. And so for us, even early on, and maybe that's the corporate side of me, but early on, I just felt like we need to have all of the logistics in place, uh, you know, board of directors, uh, various committees, National Advisory Council, so that people are guiding me um, in a way that keeps us strong. Um, And then I think the other thing is when you keep going back from within with the faith and you're, and you go back to, um, I've had people to ask, let let me just address this because there'll be someone on the show that will ask this later um, or will wonder why not single dads. Um, And I've often said, you know, when you're in cancer ministry, nobody says, why not high blood pressure? (laughs) the role for us is single moms it doesn't mean that there aren't other needs that are out there it doesn't mean that single dads don't exist or that we somehow don't acknowledge that there are dads with domiciliary custody that are having to carry the load but when you look at the numbers statistically the biggest need is in the single mother-led home and so um that's it it's like yeah we could be chasing a lot of other things but right now the call is single moms and that they would not walk alone. That's awesome. And I think that that's something to, that speaks to, I think, the business side of you as well. And just that just the whole the having it, the understanding and the intellect to realize that this is our lane, because I can't tell you just being a part of like United Way or seeing other organizations, you know, even in even in this Louisiana community, how their mission should be this. But they're they're doing anything. They're chasing money over here or all kinds of programs that are not that are not making sense at all. One of the things that I wanted to ask about is your what are some of the things that take place when a woman goes to a single mom small group? Is it are there reading books or they're walking through manuals? Like how do they get the, the education to get better? Yeah. So um, so the way that we've designed it, it's an hour and a half meeting. And it takes place twice a month. And so that's kind of our recommended dosage. So it's 30 minutes of food and fellowship, developing relationships, just kind of sharing about how the week's going, um, enjoying a meal together. Then it's 30 minutes of instruction through either they um, groups can utilize our single mom university or they we do have handheld physical books. So it really kind of depends on the group. Um, and then the final 30 minutes is discussion about what the lesson was on. So it's like, how do I apply that now to my life? And so the idea is that um, moms get mentors, that they're being led by another single mom that's a little bit further in her journey. So she's building her tribe. She's getting the practical side of things, which is the life application. Like, how do I actually walk this out? And then she's getting the ability to be able to discuss how does this impact me, my family, my children? um, And what do I see are are the roadblocks? So that's kind of the idea is uh, twice a month um, and an hour and a half. What are some the question I have? I'm going to ask you in a second, but I wanted to know what are some of the dating advice that you give to? Single moms. The reason I ask is I've met guys that I know <clears throat> who may started dating a single mom. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things I remember, even Jerry Maguire had a great scene on uh, with Cuba Good Jr. talking about. I never forget that. You know, like this is a single mom. And that's one thing I've told several guys that's like, listen, man, this is uh, 
you know, I even told my sister, you know, like, you know, when she's dating guys, like, look, you're a single mom. You need to make, you know, make sure you with somebody that appreciates that. And I've told guys that, listen, if you're going to date a single mom, this is not just some random, you know, female that you met on a college campus party. But there's this is not the person that you want to play around with or mess around with because she has herself to think about, you know, and, and her, her child or children. And so I always get on guys about, like, all right, if you're going to date a woman and she's a single mom, you have to. We should always treat it with respect, but you definitely got to treat this with a higher level of respect. Um, it definitely adds another layer, no doubt. Um, I, I have spent probably 50 percent of my career on sex and dating. That that has been, you know, overwhelmingly what women have questions about. Um, and, and there's so much to it. I would say, yes, um, exactly what you said is true, which is it's not just you. And so there's a lot of considerations that need to be made and gone are the days of casual dating um, that you really have to be intentional. And I, and I would argue that um, it's an art that's lost in our culture. That is one of the reasons we have a lot of challenges we have, but just the, the true commitment to um, dating with a purpose is, is a whole thing that our, that the younger generation has missed. Um, But it's just, it's, you know, it's just casual hookups and even, and I was reading a statistic actually yesterday online, um, Pew Research did um, some studies that are now coming out about the number of people that think casual sex inside the church is okay. And so there's so much to that. But one of the things that um, my husband and I've talked a lot about this, about like introducing your children to your dating partner and when and, and what does that look like? One of the key pieces of advice I would give to um, a um, single mom or to someone considering dating a single mom is that there are ways to be introduced to her children um, in a group setting so that maybe they don't even know that this is this is a date or that this is someone you're considering. That way you don't get into the um, difficulty of like, hey, I'm not really sure if he's the one yet. And I'm introducing my kids to too many guys. Um, but I just think that was one of the ways my husband met my children. In fact, my son said years later, he said, I didn't even know you guys were dating for like a year because <laughs> we only did group stuff together, you know, but that's a little small nugget. Yeah, I think that's awesome because I, you know, the only guy that I've ever seen my mother with is my stepfather. Because mm-hmm. so, when I were, you know, when I, I think by the time they, she never married my dad, but by the time they separated, I really don't remember. I remember my dad being coming around, but not ever seeing them as a couple. And I think, like to your point, it can have, have a negative impact if it's done wrong, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. if, uh, you know if, if she's, you know, the child, she's mom you know, with a lot of guys coming in now, whether they're doing anything inappropriately or not. And right. I think it could could send that message. And I would say that that's definitely been a challenge. And I know just seeing guys just trying to get them to, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys about respecting, you know, the single moms or if you have a relationship, uh, you know what, then you really have to make sure that you, you know, you're respectful, you honor their children, et cetera, and understand that they've, you know, they've been raised differently. Um, I have a, a good one of my best friends uh, recently divorced and, you know, his, one of his children are in, in college now. And so obviously, you know, his wife is now quote unquote a single mom because they have a younger child and it's been hard for his kids. It's been hard for his kids because it was like, you know, here it is my dad, he's raised me. You know, I see him every night and now they live in two different places and I've seen that. So my question for you, I guess my last real good question for you is, 
Uh, is there resources or what things do you think some of the children of single moms need to to help them if there are any issues? Because I know, I mean, I've seen all all kinds of all kinds of over the spectrum, but I, I was interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, I would say a couple of things. I would say if anybody's listening out there, you know, even months from now, um, Single Mom University is probably your best resource. And the reason I say that is because not only are there classes that really teach you and we have an entire track on children of single moms and some of the things that you need to address, even long-term adult children of single moms. But in addition to that, we've put in every class multiple external resources to other um, you know, websites and books and encouraging ministries that are in that field of expertise. So I would say that's, that's the first thing. The other thing is on our website, we have under the single mom help button, we have a national resource guide free of charge. You can download it. We keep it updated with literally thousands of resources around the nation of a variety of different subject matters for single moms. And so that would be another place I would look. Jennifer, this has been great. Um, I, I, first of all, for those who are listening, this is a first class organization and I can't stress that enough. And I had a chance to look behind the veil on a lot of different nonprofits I'm a, I'm a board member of another nonprofit. So your organization is first class from your vision all the way down to your marketing materials. So everything that you all do is, is, is top notch. I know that it's probably with, not without stress <laughs> at times, but you know, running, running a nonprofit. But I wanted to thank you uh, for joining. Is there any final thoughts or words you wanted to add, Jennifer? No, uh, it's always such an honor to be with you. And I'm, I'm always impressed by um, your character and your um, willingness to share your passion for what you do. And, and so I want you to know, I appreciate the words of encouragement, but um, right back at you. Um, I really appreciate you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you again for being on the show and God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you again for your time today. And remember to subscribe to our podcast, rate our show, and share with others. You can also view us on the web at www.blackmovesfirst.com. My final charge to you is, what move will you make today to change your world? Stay positive, and I am your host, Alton Jameson.